Welcome back to the Salted Caramel Podcast. My name is David Cook. I'm the Stewardship Director. And with me is the very colorful Jody Curtis. Jody, who is our guest today? Our guest today is Dominic Antonio. Dominic, thank you so much for joining us today. And tell us about your connection to Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I came to Our Lady of Mount Carmel through my now wife, Angela Nichols Antonio. So <laughs> back when we were dating, she was, she is now still the communications director of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And so that's how I joined the parish. I've been a parish parishioner there for about three years now. Um, I've already been getting pretty involved in a couple of things, such as like Fasadi Young Men's Group, the chirp retreat I've been on. You might see me at the eight o'clock mass reading there yeah. as well. I've seen so, you there. Yeah. yeah. That's how we do it. We drag you in. <laughs> <laughs> and then my wife said, hey, there's this podcast going on and I'm going to nominate you. She literally signed him up for it. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I was a bit nervous. I was like, oh man, but everyone here has had these great stories. Like this guy had a Eucharistic miracle happen. Yeah. Yeah. What can I share? So I hope some Words might help at least. Don't worry, they're all fabricated. <laughs> <laughs> no. Everybody has their own story. Mm-hmm. So we're we're excited beautiful. to hear yours. So. so true. Well, let's get to it. What do you, how would you describe your life like before you had a personal relationship with Christ? Um, I, it was never really a time. Well, having a personal relationship, certainly you feel mature enough to be able to use those words. Yeah. Um, I know some very young saints could say that mm-hmm. they had that relationship very early, such as my patron saint, St. Dominic, who, you know, passed away very early at a young age, but he was right there with Christ every day of his life. But for me, it really happened after high school. Um, when I first joined the seminaries, I joined the seminary at 17, a religious order called the Legionaries of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um I felt strongly attracted to priesthood. I've known so many good priests in my life during my childhood. I was very inspired by, I would be, um, I was an altar boy at daily mass at 6.30 a.m. almost every day. And I just really felt a natural in that environment there. So I would say like at that age, I sort of felt I could make the decision that, okay, Christ is someone personal for me. I mean, of course, when you go to the seminary, personal relationship with Christ is mm-hmm. every day, every hour, every prayer, mm-hmm. you're thinking about those words. How did your parents react? They, you know, you're mature. It was, you it was very natural for them, actually. Really? Well, my, my family has a history of, so all my brothers have gone through the seminary as well at one yeah. point or another. Uh-huh. One of them made it, you could say. <laughs> um, my brother, Robert, he was just ordained a deacon okay. last month. So I'll be going to his priestly ordination next year. So we'll have our an actual priest in the family and everyone's making the joke. Like, oh, one of the Antonio brothers actually made it. <laughs> but we, we feel very graced for that, for sure. So for me, it's kind of just walking in their steps. And I was like, oh, well, my other brothers are going to the seminary. And we already know these priests really well. And I was going on retreats with them and everything. And so, it, yeah, definitely felt very natural. And of course, for me, that did bring on a bit of a challenge because you I had to, you know, as like Peter 315, always have, uh, be able to explain the, defend your faith, defend yeah. your faith mm-hmm. but, but what was the exact words? Explain. Also, always have an explanation for your joy or something. Yeah, like for that. the source of joy in you, so yeah. to say. So if I have this joy in me, like I'm going to go make a priest, I have to be able to explain it. 
and not just say, oh, I'm doing it because everyone else is doing it in my family, or I'm doing it just because yeah. it looks cool. Uh-huh. So even from a very early age, I understood that, okay, this is just the first step in a journey, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm not called to be a priest. Well, you know, I'm standing here, I don't have a collar on, so uh-huh. you know how, how that story ends. Uh-huh. But um, it's important to still take that first step and realize mm-hmm. that discernment is a journey, not a destination, Amen. which is why... Um, for me, it was pretty clear to me early on. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it is my personal decision, and I'm going to live this first day of my life mm-hmm. the best I can. The next day, it's just another day. Amen. And you sort of make that yes, say that yes every single day as you move along in yeah. your journey. I love that advice for all of life, but especially applied to seminary because so many young men are just like, I go to seminary. I'm now Father Antonio. Yeah. I'm now Father. I was like, that's no, very dangerous. Just because discerning. Like, then no one would join the seminary. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. you know, if you had to decide before you joined the seminary whether you're going to be a priest or not, mm-hmm. okay, you already got it wrong, first exactly. of all. God <laughs> call, does the calling. He calls uh-huh. the call. He qualifies the call and doesn't call yes. the qualified. So you certainly, like, when, as one priest explained it to me, like, right now, you're novitiate. So God is calling you to be the best novice you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, okay, you made your first religious vows. It's a religious congregation. So I also have to explain to people the difference between a religious order and a diocesan priest. Yeah. So it's not quite the same thing. Mm-hmm. So in a religious congregation, you have vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience right away. Um, so that's a big commitment there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, by saying, you know, when you make your first vows, okay, I'm saying yes for the next three years as a temporal vows. Um, so you live those three years the best you can. And after that, you know, you have another discernment point process. It's like, you know, dating someone, you know, you yeah. don't say right away, I'm going to marry that girl. It's like, okay, you could say that, you know, that's very romantic thinking, but you also, you know, let's be realistic. It's like, okay, I feel attracted to her. So mm-hmm. let me learn more. You see a painting in a museum, you think, wow, that's a pretty cool painting. It's like, it's beautiful. It's attractive. I'm attracted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm jumping all over the place here, I like but it. I'm it's thinking okay. about, like, like, for example, the distinction of the cross mm-hmm. at Our Lady. So when we first put those up, I was everyone thought, wow, those are like really good looking stations. And like then, them? no, I liked them. Oh, really, okay. I really liked them. I'm good. This is going okay. to a good place here. <laughs> but then we actually did pray the stations. We had those prayer booklets that had the explanation yeah. for how the artist perceived the yeah. different symbols and everything and how the time of the day would change. And as it got further along into the crucifixion of the passion, the, the weather would change even or how you could see the whole conversion story of the centurion, for example. Mm-hmm. And then as you learn more about these paintings and more about the art, you start to love it more. You start to think, oh, this is even more awesome than I thought. Yeah. So that's like going back to this sermon. It's along yeah. the same lines of you feel attracted to it at first. And then because you're attracted to it, you want to learn more about it. And the more you learn about, more about it, the more you like it. And I see how that's like relationship relationship of Christ. Uh-huh. You feel attracted to it at first. You want to learn more about it. The more you learn about it, whether it's mm-hmm. through your faith groups, through reading the Bible, praying every day. Yeah. You know, you got to keep feeding that curiosity yeah. almost. Then um, you start to love it more. I love I it. I was just going to make that uh, application too, but I'm glad you already went there. Yeah. As, like when you love something, you want to talk to it every day. You know, mm-hmm. I want to talk to my wife every day. So it's like when you actually fall in love with God and get attracted to him, 
And then you f- start to learn about it. Then you start to slowly fall in love and then develops the prayer life. And now I'm rambling. So <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No, I love it. First, first 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes coming out hot. That's strong. right. Okay. You guys are deep today. We're done. So, no, yeah. <laughs> so how is your life like in Christ now? Right now, it's um, pretty stable, I'd say. Uh, I hope it could be doing much better. Um, I'm trying to get sort of like create a routine mm-hmm. um, for my prayer life and everything. Um, like, okay, I might be involved in like facade, so I'm, at least I get that weekly engagement, so to say, mm-hmm. with a faith community. Uh, the trip retreats I try to go on. We're going on another retreat, marriage retreat actually later this month down at St. Meinrad. Oh, so you, you always got to be like feeding yourself yeah. with those sort of things. And I know the excuse is always like, I don't have time. Well, no one has the time. Yeah. You have to cut things out of your schedule to make that time. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's that's where I'm sort of at, but not just with those big things, but the little things as well. Like, okay, adoration on Friday, I had to just you know, cut an hour there after work, go to adoration every Friday. And mm-hmm. I just started that like this year. Wow. So I'm still trying to get a good habit yeah. of that or after that, you gotta think of okay, morning prayers and night prayers. Okay, sometimes I do it, sometimes I'm not. Mm-hmm. Let's just make the time for it, so you get into a good habit of it. Man, that's awesome. So, Dominic, what was your biggest takeaway from uh, seminary, and how has it helped you be a better Catholic? Um, I would say commitment. the The idea of commitment, committing to something, and holding yourself accountable to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly, when I think of things I learned in a seminary that have like, you know, very applicable to daily life, that certainly comes first to mind. I think of, okay, you know, when I first started dating and everything, it's you make a, you make stages of commitment there as well. So, for example, when you first start dating, it's like, okay, I'm kind of making a commitment to see you like every couple days for dinner or something to tick you out. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a level of commitment. There's not much. And the re- rewards, you could say also, you know, not that much. You know, you're just talking with each other. Mm-hmm. But as you go along, the commitment increases and you hold more response, you're accountable, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, okay, now we're exclusive boyfriend and girlfriend. So, your commitment has raised. But also, okay, now I kind of get to brag about her, though. I say I have a girlfriend, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, it's like, the rewards increase, too, you could say. Uh-huh. Um, and then it, you know, culminates with marriage, of course. Mm-hmm. And where you make the ultimate commitment for life. Mm-hmm. And you're also given the greatest grace ever with the sacrament of mm-hmm. marriage. And God says, here's the ultimate reward for you. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm also giving you the ultimate responsibility. <laughs> so, you have a big responsibility when you take on that commitment. Right. Um, so that was like the big thing I learned from seminary because they it's kind of works in stages where you make a commitment. Oh, I'm just a novice for now. So, you know, I'm not held to all the rules of the congregation, you know. Um, but after that, you make your vows, poverty, chastity, obedience. And then, mm-hmm. you know, after that, you might make it your perpetual profession and then you'll be a deacon. And then before you know it, you're a priest. And then you're like totally committed for life for everything. Yeah. But what's yeah. annoying after that is there's still stages to the priesthood. You're and there's still stages priest, to the priesthood, too. Stages to marriage. Stages know, to marriage, too. It's like and children and <laughs> And all that, yeah. So it's not like there's a single spark or a single moment, like looking back at my faith journey, where I could say, okay, that's where mm-hmm. Jesus, like, you know, he 
turn you convert in me or something it's like for me um i'm reading the bi- biography of c.s lewis right now so that's what's top on my mind right uh-huh. now and when reading about his conversion story he said it was much less than of a single moment in his life but rather as he described it a crystallization process Ooh. where the, all the atoms and molecules are already there present but it's about sort of crystallizing them into a single organism really mm-hmm. a single thing being and for so in the same way that he had all these different touch points for example like his friendship with Tolkien mm-hmm. the books he would read and the books he wanted to write where he needed to construct a reality that made sense and only made sense within like a Christian religion mm-hmm. then in the same way for me it's like okay I have all these different touch points in my life like I was in the seminary now I'm at Our Lady and I have my wife who's taking me on all these retreats and putting me on podcasts and whatnot. <laughs> so all these different things um, are sort of helping me grow in my yeah. own personal relationship with Christ. And I think it's up to each one of us to say, what are those things that are good influences for me and for my, for my relationship with Christ? And how am I actually bringing them to a more personal level with him? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, uh, um, gosh, man, I don't even, I don't even want to add things on to your stuff because I'm just going <laughs> to, muddle it down <laughs> so how how would you say that your your faith life evolved after seminary after seminary it was um it was kind of tough actually a bit of a culture shock because yeah. i realized like oh i was in this culture my whole life so to say now i'm in a different culture for sure mm-hmm. um being a catholic is kind of different i remember going to my first youth group and i thought wow everyone's so charismatic they're like huddling around each other and praying over the spirit and like <laughs> this is very uncomfortable uh-huh. and so i i would say like you know i i still had to learn like okay being catholic is much more universal than what my own previous experience was i have a lot to learn still and mm-hmm. i have a lot to be grateful for um even in my Frasati group, for example, I might think, oh, I want to read like the hardest books and whatnot. But it's like, no, other people have their needs too to be met. And, you know, I have, I'm learning a lot in that group. And the, the chirp retreat, for example, the fact that you can give your testimony and that be a source of growing your faith, that's kind of new to me. Yeah. I didn't think about right that. So um, it, it felt awkward at first for sure. Uh-huh. But then I realized, you know, People like stories all the time. They tell stories. And if that's completely, if that's a medium that God chooses to, for us to grow in our faith, Mm -hmm. then so be it. Let's tell the best stories we can and the the most true stories for sure. I love it. Dominic, what what do you say or might you say to young men who are unsure about what the next step is in, in their life? based on your experience. Yeah, going back to the painting analogy that you see in a museum, you say, that's attractive, that's beautiful, that's interesting. Right there is already sort of like an invitation. Um, I'm so glad I went through the seminary. I was, I was there for four years. I was studying in Rome by the end of it. And then with my spiritual doctor, I found out, okay, this is probably not the best vocation for me. It's like, God wants me to be happy in what I do, and it's clearly not working out for various reasons. That's a whole different story. <laughs> so I can talk about that too. Uh-huh. But um, for young men, for sure, whether it yet, I kind of ask myself, it's like, what would Jesus want to see me doing that would make him say, like, I want Dominic to be doing this because that would make him happy. Mm-hmm. It's like when I think of Jesus thinking about that about me. 
then I think, okay, I think he wants me to get more involved in the parish, actually. I think he wants me to be getting up earlier and going to the gym or something. It could be something as mundane as that. Mm -hmm. But once you set yourself in that other perspective, so to say, then I think you become a bit less selfish about your decisions Mm -hmm. because some decisions do take you out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. for sure. And going to the seminary, that was one that took me out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But it was like the inkling's there, the attractiveness is there. So let's follow it where it goes. Nice. So go out of your comfort zone is mainly the advice and also from the perspective of. Yeah, go out of your comfort zone for sure. Challenge yourself. You don't challenge yourself, you never grow. What, what, uh, looking from God's perspective now on your life, what are some things that God wants you to do to be happy? Yeah. Basically, how are you staying salty? How am I staying salty? Okay, yeah. so the um, the various like ministries and everything, they're great. Um, those are sort of like routine things I try to set in my life. Like okay, once a week, I'm just going to Fasadi and I'm not thinking about anything else. You know, once a week, I go to adoration. You go to church, you go to confession, things like that. Those are things like you shouldn't be thinking too hard about. But there are things that you, I still need to create habits for. It's like, okay, praying every day being more mindful about that, you know, praying in the morning, praying in the evening. I would like to pray more rosaries. I would like to um, do so much more, be more productive with my time, be more um, charitable with my neighbor, be more understanding of people, be more compassionate for those who need that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's lots of virtues, lots of opportunities for prayer and growth there. Too many. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> That's, I would say, the rest for my confession. But <laughs> Good idea. Go. Good idea. So, and Dominic, you know, we like to say be grateful no matter what. What are you most grateful for in your life this week? Grateful for this week. I, I kind of have to um, give my wife a shout out here because we did celebrate our anniversary last month. Yeah. And she's been sort of like the gateway to a lot of these things I'm doing now. She, mm-hmm. Hey, she got me on this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Angela. Yep. Thank you, Angela. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Would you say that she is your greatest faith influencer or does that hold a, somebody else hold that title? She is a major faithful influencer uh-huh. right now, for sure. Um, Don't listen to this part, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> there were others I have to give credit to, too, as well. Mm-hmm. I mentioned some of the priests I knew early in my life, for example, like I think of Father Justin. He was a legionary priest I really mm-hmm. admire, and I still admire. It's like He was almost like my second dad, mm-hmm. just because you know he really formed me well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'm thinking uh, Father Tim Alkire. He was a priest up in Lafayette, St. Boniface. And I would be, he was the priest I would serve daily mass for in the mornings. And then he would take me out for donuts across the street at a Weir's pastry shop afterwards. (laughs) So I was like, hey, I like this. He's feeding me donuts for serving mass. I'll do this. Um, Different priests like that, that you, um, I really looked up to. And I thought, you know, I still have a great respect for priests. I love Mm -hmm. to invite them over and cook for them and stuff. Um, But yeah. That's awesome. Well, we like to end each uh, episode with a call to action. I feel like the one that's coming through the most, and I'll mm-hmm. see if you guys agree, is a regular routine, mm. building habits. Yeah. You mm-hmm. guys agree? Yeah. All right. So I, agree. I would I would challenge you to pinpoint something uh, from God's perspective. What is one small thing, mundane or big or spiritual or holistic or human approach? I don't know. I'm rambling again. That God wants for you that would make you happy. 
what is one small thing? What if it's waking up early and working out? What if it's uh, saying five minutes of prayer? What if it's saying a whole rosary? Whatever it is, and then make it into your calendar and cut something else out so you actually do it. And then hold yourself mm-hmm. accountable. Yeah. And okay. usually with accountability buddies helps. So yeah, Dominic, I'm going to put you on the spot, but would you like to end us with a prayer? Yeah, sure. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing us here together to share how you've um, worked in my life. And I hope that your grace through me can help reach out to all those people listening to this podcast. We ask this through the intercession of Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of you, and Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today, Dominic, and to our listeners, stay Stay. salty.